Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. I'm Linda Crater, and we are very glad that you have joined us today. We are thrilled with this concept of wise health, including far more than nutrition and exercise, though those are very important factors. But we are looking at the holistic you, what makes you tick, what makes you dream, what makes you sing, who do you surround yourself with, what are other aspects of health and wellness that make you a much better version of you. We find so often that as women over 40, we put things off and we say, I'll I'll get to that later, or when I achieve X, then I'll do Y. Well, what are you putting off and why? Because if not today, then when? And one of the topics we're talking about today is ultra important and has been throughout your lifetime and mine, but is especially interesting as we talk about it in terms of wellness, because I personally feel that it is an aspect of wellness. We're going to be talking with a fantastic guest, Yvonne Morrison from New Zealand, about women and finance and some of the truths, some of the myths, and how we can work in a practical manner to maximize our financial independence, know how to use this currency wisely, just as we use our energy, our thoughts, our brain, and our time. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Yvonne Morrison. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure being here and being able to share what I know with your guests or with your listeners, I should say. Well, they're all my guests, and we are all guests, and and I love that. And I especially love this global aspect because it is all together very easily. And the funny thing is, these issues are all universal. And I I think finances especially can be something that um, is socialized in your family. It's done one way, or you saw it done that way and you want it differently in your household, or you've been achieving different uses of finances and budgeting and uh, how to manage the guilt and how to not buy that pair of shoes when you really don't need it. There's all sorts of things connected with money that we don't always talk about. But Yvonne, I think one of the basic questions is, why is it that women are often told or perceived to be not very good with money? Well, you know, when I first started looking into this, Linda, I actually had to find the answers a little bit myself first because I'm a bit of a practical nuts and bolts kind of a girl and my initial mission in life was really to show women how. It wasn't that hard, I thought to myself. And then I came to realise, even though I was having wonderful conversations with all these women around me who fully agreed that they needed to understand their money and what they could do with it more, they just didn't seem to want to talk any further beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the underlying fears and the concerns, as you say, depending on what has happened in their own lives in terms of what they grew up with, um, whether they saw their parents openly discuss finances to Mm -hmm. support the family 
or whether it was more of a case that they would see mum and dad having arguments about the lack of money. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, coming back to your question, it's it's very individualised, um, but there are society uh, elements to it as well. And I was trying to think back of how far back we would have to go because I suppose at the start of the um, – uh, I always get these wrong. Is it the 19th, the 20th century? But anyway, in the 1900s. <laughs> a long time ago, a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, as as women, we simply didn't have the ability to look after money. It was something mm-hmm. that our men folk did. Mm-hmm. And um, even though further along in that, then there came the ability of having household money and looking after the Um, our households there were still certain things that we were just constantly told that we weren't capable of and I have moments where I think it's almost like a a lingering genetic thing but it certainly is still a a vibe that is in society that uh, sadly also maybe some of us use as an excuse and accept quite openly Mm -hmm. that if we are struggling that we simply go you know what I'm no good with money it seems too hard, so people must be right. That's very interesting because I, I do think that society does and has taken a different role with women as money managers. Of course, during the World Wars, when the men were all gone, women became the money managers. Um, military families today, for example, they switch off when someone goes on deployment, the the spouse, the trailing spouse, is the one taking care of finances. I think in many marriages, it shifts hands from time to time based on uh, the stage of, of life and children and who has the time and the inclination to do it. But I think that the the feeling and what you're talking about, are we capable of handling it? That That was societal earlier on. Women were thought that that was too much for us, that we were not... Um, mentally uh, able to take it on. And I think time has proved that very wrong. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we look at all the fantastic things women have been able to achieve in terms of um, having careers of their choice, um, deciding when they would like to get married, Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things give them financial independence. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I, with the, with the women I deal with in my, in my business, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the little girl sometimes still inside them who mm-hmm. is very concerned of whether she is capable as well as good enough to be able to have the things that she's achieved financially. You know, you're bringing up several topics. Um, you're bringing up, well, let's just go with one that I'm, that just came to mind when you said little girl. You know, for many, many years, girls were taught that they are not as good in math and science and they're better at writing and English and social studies and things like that. How much does that play into it? I think it plays quite a lot into it. Um, it's, it was, it's just the way things were at that stage. And mm-hmm. fortunately um, now there are, you know, fantastic role models to to show that we are very capable of doing both of these elements. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of my my 12-year-old is absolute science nut. This past summer she has spent quite a lot of time mm-hmm. on uh, YouTube discovering the existence of black holes. But Oh, my goodness. A, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <that's a complete laughs> Your dinner digression. conversations are interesting. 
Um, but yes, it, it definitely was um, until emphasis was actually placed on, you know, having other women lifting us up and showing us that we are very capable of doing these things. It still sometimes comes down to whether she, you know, whether a woman is in her 30s, 40s or 50s, that there has to come a point in her life where she says, this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I need to, I need to change how things have been, and what society is saying is actually wrong. So I would love to find an opportunity or a way to actually change my thinking. I think so too, and I think there's some societal things here as well. There are many, many women leading single head, whole, head of household homes. And so sometimes this came out of a need. And I think, like with many things, when the need arises, we rise to the occasion and we learn what we need to learn. And it would be nice if you learned before the need arose or because the need arose. And and yet there are thousands, millions of women um, running the finances in their household. Yeah, um, I'm sitting here doing a a lot of nodding because I completely agree with you that sometimes due to circumstance, sometimes due to um, I have friends myself who are military spouses to Mm -hmm. just to connect to that, that it just brings to a a life circumstance where this suddenly comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, then it really is, is... challenging for that woman to sort of go well how do I make things better without you know oh I'm not quite sure if over in the US they they have this or not but a quite common budget meal here in New Zealand is to have baked beans on toast Mm -hmm. and so it's not it's not something that we want to have every night but it's certainly initially then a point that she probably reaches or looks at and thinks well I think I have to start living really frugally in order Mm -hmm. to make this money work and to a certain extent, yes, but to another certain extent as well, it's about knowing that there are actually now others out there who can show you how to make the most of what you have available to you and that it doesn't have to be fearful or confronting. I think that's what you you find is the most common thing. People are so fearful and paralyzed by the fact that they're in a different financial situation, a lowered perhaps circumstance, that they paralyze and and that is very very scary because then you don't want to open the bills you don't want to know it's the head in the sand do you find that with your clients yes yes and there's then a, a sort of a attached sense of humor to all, almost um uh i'm not quite sure if it's a correct term or not but they they're sort of self-deprecating in, in that they're mm-hmm belittling themselves by saying oh you know I don't really know but I'm just a girl and I'm just like no no you're not just a girl you're a beautiful powerful woman and all you're simply lacking is currently the ability of actually knowing how to make the most of it I love it I love it we're coming up on our first break and that's a good spot to break in because we will come back from the break and we will talk about how that negative perception and negative self-talk can hinder the learning of a new task, no matter what it may be. You are listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, and if you find this show interesting and want to hear about more, 
You can find it at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Today we are visiting with Yvonne Morrison from New Zealand, and we are going to demystify money and how women handle it, perceive it, and grow with it as individuals. We will have a very short break, and we will be back after the break to talk about interesting things like guilt and negativity, and we're going to dispel them. We'll be right back after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's Our state fair has something for everyone. There are rides, games, exhibitions, and competitions, but I personally go for the Loverwort or fast food. This year, my new favorite food is a Cuban fusion burger. Made by Grant's Tasty Burgers, this burger features pork sausage, smoked ham, tomato, sliced pickles, spicy mayo, mustard, and Swiss cheese. Delicious! What do you call a great big hamburger with everything on it but the kitchen sink? A redonkadonk! Charlie's Chicken is offering a caviar top Twinkie for $125. I guess that's a fair price, but I'm not sure I want to pay that much for Ma Wallop. That's messy food. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Yvonne Morrison about, and right before the break, we were talking about that women... Uh, sometimes have very negative self-talk about finances, especially when things get very tight and they don't know what to do or they're paralyzed. And the interesting part is, and you and I were talking about this on break, is that by facing, opening the bills, facing some of the finances, understanding that it's really not as mystical as it looks like. And if you break it down, even if things are bad, you can come up with a plan to make it better, that it gives you freedom to talk about money. Take that part. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Linda, because it's it's the talking about that needs to happen. And that's um, some sort of quite a large hurdle for people to step over. Because, you know, the other thing that we do outside of self-talk is we do a lot of internalizing as women. You know, we can keep thinking over and over and over on it. And it's not until <laughs> we actually start talking to someone about it 
that we come to realize, and you could relate this to a whole bunch of other things as well, that we're not the only one. Right. Um, there are many of us who are then have either experienced something similar or are going through the same thing, which is why I'm so passionate about openly talking about it mm -hmm. and if therefore necessary, being the first one to start those conversations. Uh, and, and to me, again, that communication when you're um, in a partnership with someone, it's it's really important to sit down and it's not then about building up anxiety about what we have or what we don't have, or, but it's more like, okay, what kind of a plan can we create together? Mm -hmm. Or if you're on your own as well, sitting down um, either with yourself positively, positively or sitting down then with a girlfriend or um, or a family member and sitting down and saying, what can I do? What kind of plan can I create mm -hmm. so that it can become better? Because staying where I am right now, I'm just going to continue to tread water. And so the only way to move forward is really through acceptance and then saying, what can I do to make it better? I, I think that's beautifully said. And I think that accepting where you are and having the self-awareness to realize that I do need help and I'm going to get help is is very, very important because money represents more than just what we can buy. It often represents values, um, how you perceive money, uh, how you grew up with it, what we were talking about earlier, and anything about it can open up some ideas you perhaps hadn't considered, which is why someone like you, who is coaching in this area, it is very important to discuss because you may not have considered avenues that are open to you. So it might not be a, a bleak thing. It might actually be something wonderful that creates an opportunity to walk toward your dreams. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It definitely is then about saying, you know, I fully accept where I am today, but I also mm -hmm. know that within me is the power to change that. I mean, we, we look at um, children, boys and girls, mm -hmm. and they're so full of zest of life. And as we go on, we seem to lose some of that because we become adults and we're responsible and we feel we need to behave a certain way. But I actually, you know, particularly since turning 40, and I think I actually lose track. And my, my daughters always tell me what age I'm about to turn this year. So I <laughs> I've told mine to stop <laughs> counting, but okay. But I think I'm up to about 45 this year or something like that. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's um, we, we just get to a point in life where we really want to be able to just be ourselves. Mm -hmm. And since having that birthday, I'm just like, you know, I don't have to live this way. And therefore, I am more than happy to openly share with others how I do things so that they can also choose to change the direction that they're going in so that they can get to 65 and be very content with the life they're living. And that is so important because we have to, you know, we're told to live in the moment, live for today. Well, that's fine. But with money, we really do need to, we, we need to, what do they say? Spend, save and give. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that sound great in theory, but unless you do have a plan, many people don't know what a budget is. I've worked with um, families where if there's literally checks in the checkbook, well, there must be money in the bank. <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case, as you know. And so, again, dispelling some of these myths and, and knowing the practicality of what is coming in 
and what is going out is is a pretty cut and dried exercise. And the more interesting parts about money are how you will live with that money, what you will save for, what gives you the the drive to want to change what you're doing. Aren't those the underlying thoughts that are kind of the the best part of when you're working with women? Yes, definitely. And it's the first thing that we do before we even sit down and create a budget and look at where they are mm-hmm. um, currently is that we sit down and I say to them, what direction is it actually that you wish to go to? What is it that you are hoping to want to do in the next year? Um, and sometimes, yes, the reality of it is that financially that could be a bit of a struggle, but it's also then saying to them, you know, perhaps it's going to take longer than a year, but we definitely can celebrate the moments of achievement that you do um, or the milestones of achievement along the way. We need to mm-hmm. celebrate those. And um, it, it definitely is about balancing of what they want, whether it's having more of a supportive role in the family in terms of the other adults that are in mm-hmm. the in the family or um Uh, establishing a a smaller or greater business beginning a business anything like that that it's it's about their vision and their desire for living life as you say now but also moving forward into the future and then we get down and we sit down and we look at the practical nuts and bolts of putting a budget together and that has such a horrible you know I keep what it does (laughs) I know you go ahead well, I was just going to say, you can come up with any euphemism you want, but a budget is a budget. It's about yeah. what comes in, what has to go out, and what you'd like to have left over and what to do with what's left over. And sometimes there are periods of life and phases of life where there isn't the leftover part. And so that's where some hard decisions are made. But, you know, the interesting part is the more you're able to dissect where you are, there's a, a way out of that. I, I had a wonderful, uh, there's a family story I'll tell you where um, my family member's children did not understand about money and just thought, well, you can put it on a credit card or you can do this and you can do that. So I think sometimes families need to understand and the more a woman and a man or a partner knows about money and how to explain it, the better children can learn as well. And so after hearing how you know they should be able to do all these things as these were young children they were probably nine or ten somewhere in that region and so they brought home the salary in cash and they laid it out on the table and and the kids eyes are huge thinking oh my goodness this is so much money this is so fun this is great what are we going to do with all this great money well after they put it in little piles for the electric bill utilities and food and insurance and the car and the gas and all of those things it was a very vivid explanation of what happens and tax you know what happens with your money and that was that's one introduction to money and the children now are grown and they talk about that that was a very pivotal point in their financial understanding have you ever heard that before um, I've not heard this story before, but it's certainly fantastic illustration. And it makes me think of my own daughter who um, last year when she turned 12, she was mm-hmm. desperate to have um, what we call over here an EFTPOS card, which is like an ATM debit card. Mm-hmm. And um, she really, really, really wanted one because she thought that once she had one, she would be able to just go to the bank and grab the money. <laughs> 
right. and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to do some teaching around that because that is not where money comes from. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see why they would think that. We put a little plastic card in a machine and magically we walk out of the grocery store with groceries. So I think it's fascinating how children can be so wise technologically these days, but there's understanding and background underneath all of that. So let me ask you one question that I know our other listeners are thinking as well. What if you are in a relationship where someone is very frugal and watches money reasonably, not not so tightly that you're squeezing it too hard, and the other partner is a spendthrift and extravagant? And how does that work? Um, the key there, I believe, is communication. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, they really need to sit down with each other to ensure that there is an open level of communication and acceptance of each other's different spending habits. Mm-hmm. And I very much always encourage to um, let the spender actually have almost like a pocket money that they can spend without guilt. Mm. Um, and that way, you know, the other frugal person can realize that that is just something that they need in their personality. Mm-hmm. And actually, I believe, and, and that is one of the things um, I always encourage women actually to do, is to give themselves an allowance that is okay. guilt-free. Um, I think that's really important to um, have in that type of relationship. That's excellent advice. I I know that um, <laughs> in, in America we have uh, more than one person I know has this. I have it. You you carry a secret twenty in your wallet, <laughs> and that secret twenty is always spent, and you have to remember to replenish it. But it's it's that emergency money kind of thing, which never goes to emergencies. It goes for wonderful, delicious things or something fun. But um, is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, very much so. Very interesting. I love it. We're already coming up on our second break. And I I think that working together with money as a pair is an art, um, not a science. And it does take excellent communication. We are going to go on break. And I would love to come back and talk about the guilt associated with money sometimes and how to dispel it and put it aside and move on to the positive aspects of things. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're talking with Yvonne Morrison. And we will be back after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. 
for the Fitness Minute. I'm Annette Hammond. It's marching Our state fair has something for everyone. There are rides, games, exhibitions, and competitions. But I personally go for the loverwort or fast food. This year, my new favorite food is a Cuban fusion burger. Made by Grant's Tasty Burgers, this burger features pork sausage, smoked ham, tomatoes, sliced pickles, spicy mayo, mustard, and Swiss cheese. Delicious! What do you call a great big hamburger with everything on it but the kitchen sink? A redonkadonk! Charlie's Chicken is offering a caviar top Twinkie for $125. I guess that's a fair price, but I'm not sure I want to pay that much for Ma Wallop. That's messy food. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. Yvonne, before the break, we were talking about what if two partners are very different in their spending habits. One spends a lot, one doesn't spend much at all. And I don't think we had time to fully develop that conversation. So you mentioned um, perhaps having pocket money to spend guilt-free and also good communication between the parties. What are some other things that you would say about that? Um, Well, let's first touch on the communication again, because, you know, the partnership came around, I hope, that, you know, they found elements of each other attractive, and that's why they're together. And so there should always be, in my view, in that kind of relationship, an ability to be able to talk to each other about your dreams, about your desires, and therefore about how to make them happen. And money as the world turns at the moment for lack of another pun or anything is the currency that makes things happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that communication element comes into it to really sit down and talk to each other about your feelings of money. Mm -hmm. So it's important that the, the, the person who prefers to be more frugal, who, you know, kind of prefers to sit on their wallet rather than open it, that they realize that, you know, for the other person, that's really restrictive. Mm -hmm. And so they need to be able to have an element of freedom. But this discussion then allows for the the trust to be there, that it's not just a, hey, I'm going to go out and buy myself a a brand new car without talking to you about it. Um, it's, It's more like, please allow my personality to be fulfilled as well. Because if you keep restricting who I am, then, you know, there's going to be some sort of resentment built up. Very good point. And I, and also on the trust, um, I know that sometimes um, one is quite extravagant. And the interesting one to deal with extravagance is when they use that extravagance to buy you something of high value. And perhaps the money isn't budgeted and that adds stress and strain, but it's awkward. I mean, that's why money is, is awkward, because it can be a gesture on someone else's part, but it seems reckless to the person receiving it. Yes, yeah, definitely. And and I guess, again, for me, and this has been a real learning lesson for since I've started doing what I'm doing is, as I said, initially, for me, it was like, let me show you how. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, we're human beings. We do things with emotion. And therefore, for me, it's been an interesting journey to learn how people feel or deal with that money. And there are times in within terms of extravagance that the other person may have to say, um, thank you. And that's it. Thank you so much for giving me this gift and thinking of me. <laughs> but then that other times there'll be a need to say, look, you know, this wasn't something I appreciate that you thought of me or I appreciate that you wanted to get this for me, but it wasn't really what we decided in our plan. And mm. life doesn't have to be boring on a plan. Life can be very exciting on a plan, but it's, you know, finding that mutual agreement. That's a good point. Do you counsel uh, couples to discuss, um, for example, expenditures over a certain amount? Um, I actually tell them to discuss all expenditures just so okay. that they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, only for the fact that things, you know, I, I don't know about you, but my electricity bill always seems to be going up rather than coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of, you know, the standard charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so it it needs to just be a continuous communication that, it's, it's almost, well, what, I'll tell you what my husband and I do. And it was actually his initiative, which I find very, very interesting, is that we have a little finance meeting every month. Smart. But that <laughs> um, sounds very, very wise. But for him, because um, I was, I, I, the responsibility of paying the bills had fallen in my lap um, after, you know, and I think that came about after we became parents, mm-hmm. but he kind of just felt disjointed from the whole thing. So mm-hmm. he said, can we start doing this? And at first I was a little confronted because I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing a good job. Here, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized that it was just his need to understand what was going on. And so now that we've been doing this for a number of years, it's a case of me being able to go, oh my goodness, I think we need to just have a look at where you know, we're paying all this money for insurance. Can we possibly get a better deal? Because it just keeps going up rather than coming mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Well, and two <laughs> heads are better than one. And so yes. you you also learn about, about uh, communication and talking. And suddenly that difficult topic over time, I'm sure, became far more comfortable and you worked as a team together better. Yes, definitely. And and that's what we do now. You know, it's it's definitely a team effort. And because of that, it makes decision making regarding a lot of things, uh, especially as we move into the teenage years, a lot easier. Oh, I, I'm sure it does. Um, I've heard this term and maybe we can talk about it a little bit because, again, it's about awareness. And I think that those who can talk about money, um, who can, you know, deal with it in a non-conflicting way um, and can learn about things is always a very good idea. But I, I'd heard this term. I wondered if you had heard it. It's where someone is indiscriminately taking out money or secretively and the other partner does not know it. Uh, the term is uh, financial infidelity. And it can be very, very harmful. Do you run into this in your practice, helping other families, where something is discovered that you did not know going in? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately yes. Um, only because the person involved 
um, coming from the element of the person who's hiding the secret, not so much mm -hmm. from the person receiving it, mm -hmm. but the person who is hiding the secret. Um, uh, and, and because I deal mostly with women in my, in my practice, it, it, it has come from an element of fear of um, perhaps looking silly or perhaps um, confirming to the other party that um, they are no good with money. Um, or it's just a case of, um, yeah, it's, it's that they don't want to be confronted of not being good enough. Even though maybe the money is being taken deliberately. And it's just something in my mind that people should be aware of and why it's so important for both parties to be aware of the fun, funding and the finances and what comes in and what needs to go out and what can be spent on the um, flexible items that we're talking about. Many people solve this with separate bank accounts, but some families don't wish to do that. How do you counsel uh, the spouses and families working together? Um, well, I, I, I sometimes encourage them to have separate bank accounts, but in terms of um, these are not separate bank accounts that the individuals have, Mm -hmm. But it's more like that they have several bank accounts set up for a purpose. Okay. So in terms of um, we have one bank account that receives the the money that comes in. Mm -hmm. And then we have several bank accounts that are for other uh, purposes, being all the utility bills. And because we're both contributing or individually contributing to this income account, mm -hmm. which is like a if you if you just picture it as a, a piggy bank, the piggy mm -hmm. bank just sits there collecting all the money. We then have mutually agreed that we will transfer a certain amount over to the utilities account, mm -hmm. so that when the utility bills come out, that money is there for it to be mm -hmm. spent. Mm -hmm. And it's so that that the piggy bank almost gets divvied up like a pie mm -hmm. to have a certain mutual purpose. And so that's when when I encourage separate bank accounts, it's it's that the bank accounts actually have a purpose, whether it's, you know, in a few years we want to be able to take the family away to Disneyland or, mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to start putting even $10, if we can, aside each week towards our retirement fund. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's how we separate the money out. But I'm not a I'm not that hugely in favor of having separate bank accounts in terms of that's Mr. Smith's and that's Mrs. Smith's mm -hmm. because then then that communication really gets broken down because nobody knows what's going on. In in terms of the the pair, right, right, and, and that's that often is is fears when everybody has joint accounts. Um, both people know, but that is somewhat vulnerable if there are different spending styles and there are not limits that are honored by both parties. And yet what you're talking about is kind of interesting. So a college fund, a utilities and household fund, retirement, various things that are for good purposes that you both agree upon. And I suppose that really does vary per the couple, correct? Yes, definitely. It it and and it isn't just about hey, we've got five hundred dollars. Let's put a hundred dollars here and a hundred dollars there. It's more about um, not to get too mathematical, but it's more like let's put X percentage into this mm -hmm. account. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then one of my favorite accounts that I say that they must have as well is the guilt-free spending account that they, you know, agree both that maybe it's for date night mm -hmm. or something like that. But certainly that it isn't all all about 
being super frugal and splitting the money out and never having the enjoyment of it because it's mm-hmm. just there to do the practical things. It's more about, remember, we brought you to this plan. And so how can we get you to this plan? And what habits can we build within you that are satisfactory, that you're still enjoying the moment right now and moving into the future? It's lovely because it gives a little bit of taste of why it's beneficial to do it this way. And it isn't so penurious that you feel punished, which really that's hard to stick to things when you're constantly feeling punished. That's marvelous. I like those ideas. We are coming up on our break, our final break. And there's so much more to talk about, but we will talk about more. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. Again, you can find more uh, shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. We're talking with Yvonne Morrison from New Zealand about finances and women and how to really thrive with your money. Appreciate your listening. We'll be back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's Marching Our state fair has something for everyone. There are rides, games, exhibitions, and competitions, but I personally go for the loverwort or fast food. This year, my new favorite food is a Cuban fusion burger. Made by Grant's Tasty Burgers, this burger features pork sausage, smoked ham, tomato, sliced pickles, spicy mayo, mustard, and Swiss cheese. Delicious! What do you call a great big hamburger with everything on it but the kitchen sink? A redonkadonk! Charlie's Chicken is offering a caviar top Twinkie for $125. I guess that's a fair price, but I'm not sure I want to pay that much for Ma Wallop. That's messy food. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. On the break, Yvonne and I were talking about there's so much emotion attached to money um, and often judgments. And I, I, the things I had done with my children was to try and instill in them that everyone has different priorities with their money. Someone may love a beautiful, flashy, shiny car, extravagant, and will, will be very happy 
to live in a more modest home. Some people will spend their money on vacations and adventures as opposed to material things. And I, I think that that is often difficult in today's world, especially with things like Facebook, where people are showing what they do and they're eternally happy on social media, of course. And so that puts a lot of pressure on folks. But if we really stop and think, we are really blessed often with what we do have. And even if things have taken a turn and things are more modest for a period of time, with people like you helping, you can learn to be grateful for what you have and to value both it, what you have, yeah, and, and take it from there. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And that often falls into part of the plan that we have when I work with clients, is that we don't only aim for to what we want in the future and creating a financial stable road along the way, mm-hmm. but it's also about taking a moment um, to, to appreciate what you have right now. Uh, there might be moments where you're actually wondering how – you're going to pay the next electric bill um, or there may be other things that you're really, really concerned about because you're hoping to get a raise in your job and it may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. But it's then taking a moment and actually saying, well, what do I have? What can I, you know, there's so many things around us that we can be grateful for. Uh, you know, we're living in a world right now where we have choice, mm-hmm. um, which is something over 150 that's probably too long but you know a hundred odd years or so as women we didn't have that many choices so we can Mm -hmm. be grateful for everything that has happened to lead us to the place where we are now Mm -hmm. or it could be that we're watching a two-year-old you know trying to figure out how to do something and it's just capturing a moment like that and going I actually really enjoy spending time with them and I need to just be here and be grateful for for what I have right now as I make a change in my life and move forward. Beautifully said. Again, people have different priorities. And I will also posit that money does not make you happy, but it does give you choices. Yes, yes, very much I agree with that as well. And that is why, um, as you said, you know, social media shows us the happy side of life. And (laughs) so we think that everybody's always living that kind of way. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, you actually, if you if you think, stop for a moment and think about it, you know, not everybody's going to be that way. We're human beings. There are going to be moments where we're really frustrated and we're really angry and there are going to be other moments where, you know, we forgot the raincoat so we got completely drenched. <laughs> and so we're not, we're not going to put that on Facebook because that's not a happy moment. Um, but it is about accepting not only yourself but also actually then looking at the individuals around you uh, as you you know see someone walking down the street and they may be incredibly happy and then in your heart go you know I have no idea what they're happy about but I'm so glad that they are and we are so uh, blessed when we see people like that I have a friend who posts on Facebook pictures uh, beautiful pictures of the Caribbean and vacation spots, etc. And it always invokes questions of, oh, where are you? She's like, I'm not anywhere. This is where I would just hope to be someday. And she's <laughs> perfectly happy and content. And isn't that a wonderful way of being appreciative of what she has? And that's a dream. And it will eventually happen. But I, I think that was that's a good social media response to those who are actually doing the conspicuous consumption 
in full view. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's lovely. That's a beautiful way to do that. I think I might have to keep that in mind. Yeah, put the, tuck that one away because I, I was very impressed with that. I thought that was just absolutely wonderful. And and so now when you see these pictures that she posts, you think, oh, I'm going to mentally transport myself there right now. doesn't cost you a dime. And yeah. it's just a wonderful thing to do. So looking at what we are talking about and women and finance, when you have someone come to you and they have, uh, they just would like to make changes or to learn or to know how to refine their method of uh, becoming more independent, being able to make a retirement fund, uh, save for a child um, and, and plan an emergency fund. Do you also work with families to make sure that they are being very wise about all contingencies that could occur? The ones yes. that you could think of. Obviously, there's the ones you can't, but but for the most part. Yes, yes, definitely. So with any plan that's put into place, it's done slowly and in baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we were to say, right, here's the plan, and from tomorrow it's going to take action, then people are being set up for failure because we all know um, I think it, it takes 30 times or something like that to go to the gym to be able to actually form a habit of regularly going to the gym. Uh-huh. So changing someone's behavior or changing their habits of how they do things and then with the education of learning how to needs to be done incrementally. And then we do cover um, the emergency fund. Um, sometimes it's called the oh holy mm fund. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but okay. it's it's so it's something that comes into into the plan at increments of stages because it's also their priorities and it's then making them comfortable with doing things differently. Mm-hmm. So what does a woman feel like after she's been coached by you, has learned this and now feels confident in her ability to know that she can answer the big questions. She knows where to get help to get the questions that she doesn't have the resources to find at the moment I bet that just looks like a totally different person than the one who came to you in the first place. Completely. She's, she's completely different. Um, she's, she's more money confident. She mm-hmm. is um, confident in all other areas as well because her, uh, her being of who she is, um, it's almost as though she has gained permission to shine a light on herself without, and it's a very strong uh, social syndrome here down in Australia and New Zealand is what we call the tall poppy syndrome. Tall poppy you... syndrome. What is that? So what that is is that um, in the public almost we allow people to shine. We allow them to become who they are. But if they become a little too big headed, a little too oh. outspoken, mm-hmm. then it's like no, no, you have to go back in your box. Um, and poppy so syndrome. I've not heard that before. I like that. <laughs> And so what I love is actually having seen this woman transfer, uh, transform, I should say, into who she's always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm a real relationship builder. And one of my hardest things to do is then to let her go on her own. Not that she's not capable, but mm-hmm. it's more like I hope that what she has gained will stay with her for a lifetime. Um, and, and to me, as I'm sitting here now trying to express who she is, I've got this big grin on my face and 
you know, it just it just makes me feel so good and excited on the inside to be able to lift somebody else up to get to a point of happiness. That's wonderful. And and I would also think that you you possibly do check-ins with folks from time to time. Oh, is definitely. that true? Yes, definitely. It's not just a here you go, it's done, cut, see you later. It's right. definitely let's stay in touch. I want to hear about what other future plans you might have. You know, I re- I really form a bond with these women, and mm-hmm. I kind of think of it as a community. Well, it is a community, and and you are adding to it because let's face it, you mentioned it earlier. Money is the currency by which we operate in many, many aspects of our lives. I want to make sure that women know where to find you. So do you have a website? I do. So it's um, thebusinessboutique.nz. All right, say that again, thebusinessboutique.nz. So that's for New Zealand. Zealand. Okay. That's it. Got it. Um, Because it is very important. I mean, I, I find that people get very intrigued and having some place to go to ask more questions, et cetera, you clearly have a clients around the world. And again, technology is a wonderful thing to tie people together. Are there any other practical tips you want to make sure we get out in the last two minutes of the show? I just want to maybe suggest one book that I really enjoyed recently called okay. um, Becoming Rich. Now, don't let that title put you off. It's not about investment funds or anything. But it's by an author called Genevieve Davis, and she's a, a Genevieve with a G-E-N-E kind of Vive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really about giving yourself not only some practical tools, but also some ways of how you could feel about changing the way that you deal with money. And it's a lovely little book. It's not huge to start off with how you can change how you feel around money. I think it sounds very valuable. Yvonne, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your stories, and your joy in helping women to achieve what they hadn't been able to do on their own, helping them to flourish. That's helping women thrive. It's perfect. So thank you for being on with us today. Thank you, Linda, so much. It's been my pleasure, and I really you know, appreciate the opportunity to be able to share this. Oh, well, I, I think that we have to have more because I think there are some financial questions that I still have that simply don't fit into this hour. So we may make this a, a financial series. But thank you for talking about something that is so essential to all of us. And join us next week for more shows, more interesting topics. And you're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.